Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm man. I am pumped to be here this morning. I, man, whenever the Lord starts speaking and doing stuff, that's some cool stuff right there. I just can't even take it. Um, I'm I, so. My name is Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church, uh, and. Um, and I, I, I'm, exci- I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited that it's November and that Halloween is over. God, was... Is it too early to start talking about Christmas? Okay, let's start a fight right here. All, all the people who are like, Halloween's over, we can start talking about Christmas. Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. I'm proud of you. All right. All those people who are like, man, it's not Thanksgiving yet, so we can't talk about Christmas until after Thanksgiving. Show of hands. There you go. All right. Y'all can all fight after the service is over. It'll be great. Yeah, I love, I love Christmas. I, I hate Halloween. And, and in fact, you know, like Walmart starts putting out all their Christmas stuff at the same time they put out Halloween stuff. I feel like they do that just for me. Because, like, I don't know, Halloween just freaks me out, guys. It really does. It freaks me out. I, I just don't like it. So secretly, I will wander through Walmart, and I'll go secretly look at all the Christmas stuff during October. Because it's like a reprieve from, for me, you know? But I do. I love Christmas. And um, you know, every year, I get, I get some kind of money as a gift um, at Christmas. Yeah, it may be 50 bucks one year, maybe you know, $100, $200, something like that, just depending on who's around, what's happening, and whatnot. And I love getting money. Anybody like getting money for Christmas? Yeah, because you can buy all of the stuff that nobody wants to buy you. That's what I do with it. I'm like, yeah, nobody's going to buy this for me. I'll buy it for myself, you know? Like, just, I'm okay with this. I've, I, I've made my peace with it. Don't be ashamed that you're giving me money for Christmas. All right, but, so, but what I do is, is that around Thanksgiving, I start developing my Christmas list, and it's not, it's not a wish list for other people, it's for me, that I'm like, all right, I know if I get this amount of money, I can get these things, and if I get this amount of money, I could get these things, so then by the time Christmas rolls around, December 26th hits, money gone. It's, I've, I've already figured it out. I'm like, I just put in the equation. I'm like, I got this amount of money. That means these things are getting purchased on December 26th, and it's gone. My wife, though, I like to tease her. I love her to pieces, but I say that she has fear of better options. She has FOBO. She has FOBO. Whenever it comes to Christmas money, at least, and, and she'll hang on to her money. Like, we'll get the same amount. She'll hang on to that money forever. And then it'll be March. And like we watch our money pretty tightly um, overall. And so then all of a sudden I'll see like $150 to Amazon. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What budget are you working from? Because I, I don't understand where this money just came from. And she's like, well, it's Christmas money. I'm like, huh? <laughs> Christmas, like that was three months ago. We're in March. You should have spent that a long time ago. Don't go freaking me out. She has fear of better options. Like, and, and I ask her, I'm like, why does it take you so long? And she's like, well, because I worry at times that like, well, if I buy this thing, then I'm, I, may, I may figure out that I should have bought this other thing instead and that it would have been better for me to buy this other thing. And so there's this like battle, you know, where she's trying to figure out what she should get with her money. 
I get it, and we all have, you know, like too many options in America. We just have way too many options in America. If you're in sales, you know this, right? Trying to schedule appointments with people is ridiculous. Because, you know, as a salesperson, you're trying to be, you know, like open, and you're like, hey, look, I, all next week, you let me know whatever works for your schedule. All next week, I got available. Here's what you just told them. Monday to Sunday, that's seven options, times 12, like eight to eight, I'll be out there. Like, you just gave them seven times 12. I don't do math. It's a lot of options. It's a lot of options, right? And they can't figure it out. And they're like, uh, I'm sorry, anybody in sales, anybody in sales in here, you've experienced this? Like, so you say, I've, I, I've got all next week available. You know, what does your schedule look like? I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at my schedule. They can't make a decision. But then you say, okay, well, how about Monday or Wednesday? All of a sudden they're like, oh no, I got things on that day. We could do Thursday at 12. It's like, what just happened? Now, all of a sudden, you magically know your schedule. It's because you removed all the options. You only gave them a couple of options to choose from, and they're able to figure it out whenever you narrow those options down. You know, fear of better options. And, and that's why, that's why we, we scroll so much on social media, right? I'm going to let you in on, on, on your own secret. This is why you scroll so much. Uh, you got, I don't know, 15 minutes to kill, and you're on social media. For those of you that are on social media, I know a handful of you aren't, but most of you are. And so you, you got 15 minutes and you start scrolling. And then, you know, time's, you know, slowly ticking away and you're like, well, I can't end on that one because that's an ugly baby. <laughs> like, that wasn't a good one. So you keep scrolling. You're like, there's got to be a better one to end on. I'm looking for the perfect post to end on here. Oh man, time's running out. Okay. Uh, my, my options are running out. And the only way that you stop scrolling is if you find that one that may be the perfect post to stop scrolling on or your time runs out and you have to give up, right? I, I, I just can't do it. And this is also why we binge watch TV shows, right? Because there might be a better option. The next episode might be better. All right. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be real, 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 real with you. My wife has me watching Hallmark. <laughs> and I don't hate it. Look, they got some good shows on there, okay? And it's always a happy ending. With the exception of like within episodes, and this is where, this is where we binge watch TV shows. Like, okay, so I like to be in bed at 9.30. I like to go to bed early, get up relatively early. That's just my flavor. But I also enjoy watching shows with my wife at night because the kids go to bed late. So it's like, okay, well, we can watch a little something. She's got me watching this show, Wind Calls the Heart. Any fans of that show? You be honest. Men, any men up? Not a single one in here. I'm feeling really alone right now, but I'm going to let you in on it anyway. All right. Wind Calls the Heart. If you ever decide to watch it, I'm going to ruin uh, at least a season for you right now. So you got to pick and choose whether you want to be offended. All right, so here we go. I, my favorite character is Mounty Jack. That's right, he's Mounty Jack. And so my favorite character, it's 9.30 at night, we start watching this episode, and towards the very end, he and his wife just got married. He's away on a training mission, and now all of a sudden word comes back at the very end of the episode, Mountie Jack is dead. I'm like, now it's 10.30 at night, and my favorite character is gone, but we didn't see him die. 
So maybe he really is alive. Maybe there's a better option. Maybe there's another episode where we find out that he's really alive. So what do we have to do? We have to watch the next episode, and now it's 11.30, and i got to be up early the next morning. Guys, we got fear of better options, and, and we all deal with it in some form or fashion, especially whenever it comes to following Jesus. Whenever it comes to following Jesus, there's always better options. There's always other options, at least in our mind, right? It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it, it could be anything from um, better options as to where you give money. It could be better options as to where you spend time. It doesn't matter. Like, we all struggle. And, and you know what? Let me, let me clarify for a second. Maybe, maybe the word fear is throwing you off because you're like, ah, oh, faith over fear. I don't fear nothing. Okay. All right. Let's just back up the fear bus. All right. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's just the idea that there are other options. Okay, I, I'll, call it, I'll call it fear of better options. I'll call it FOBO. You call it whatever you want. Maybe it's not that there are better options. Maybe there's just easier options, right? I want to be more spiritual, but it's easier to not put in the time to be more spiritual, you know? I want to read my Bible, but it's easier to just not read my Bible. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's that there are less confrontational options. Because you know darn well that you should be calling somebody out on something that's, that's living in a way that you know ain't right. And you're like, this, you know what? It's their decision to live this way. I'm free from their decision. You know, I, who am I to judge? I've got my own stuff. I, I don't want to judge another Christian. I don't want to judge a fellow believer because I've got all the stuff in my own life. But you know that it's, it's affecting their life. It's affecting their walk. It's, you know what? It's, you know that God has something better for them. But man, if I had to tell them that God had better for them, that'd be awfully confrontational. Maybe it's just there are less awkward options, you know, because whenever you change your life and start following Jesus, all of a sudden stuff in your life starts to change, you know, and it's kind of awkward because you've been running with the same crowd for the last 10, 11, 12 years, and they all know the things that you do, but since you came into an actual relationship with Christ, you know that Jesus has put his finger on some different areas, and it's pretty awkward to have to tell all of your friends and family that you've been running with for the last however long, I'm sorry, but I can't go out with you tonight. And they're like, bro, you've been with us for the last 11 years. Why aren't you coming out tonight? And he's like, look, I, I'm sorry, but I've started following Jesus, and he's put forth expectations on my life and I'm deciding to commit to those expectations and live in a different way and I know that it's weird because you knew me as this but since Jesus came into my life I'm required to live like this that's awkward maybe there's less awkward ways to do things maybe I can still go out with them you know and maybe I just won't participate in everything that they were doing let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5 2 Kings chapter 5. It's in the Old Testament. Second Kings chapter 5. Here we go. We're going to talk about a man named Naaman. He was Naaman and Claiming. 
I'm glad at least half of you thought it was funny. It's dad jokes right there. I've been a dad for 12 and a half years. You pick them up. <clears throat> All right, chapter 5, starting on at verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now, the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. It happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Here we go. Naaman had fewer better options. You see, <clears throat> Naaman, as a leper, he went to Elisha, and this prophet, a uh, prophet for those of you that may not know, a prophet is just a word for someone who hears God speaking and they speak things for God. They are a mouthpiece for God. And so that's what Elisha did, okay? And, and, and the king of Israel, he didn't understand this concept, um, which is why he tore his clothes. He thought he was being called God, but in all reality, they were just saying, look, can you, can you talk to God and tell us what to do? He didn't understand that, but Elisha did. And so Elisha says, send them to me. I got this. I'll listen to God and tell him what to do. So he tells him, hey, go dip in the Jordan seven times and you're going to be clean. But Naaman was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Jordan... Like, okay, so this is how this is supposed to work. I'm going to go dip in the Jordan, and I'm going to be clean. Bro, I've got, I've got rivers in Damascus that are cleaner than the Jordan, that are better than the Jordan River. If all it is is me needing to go wash in a river, why aren't you telling me to go over here? I've got better options. I've got other options that will still work just as well. Right? Isn't that how we do things, though? You know, it's like, Hey, do this, and you know, you'll experience a miracle of healing. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been to WebMD. 
I know how this thing works. I need you to understand for just a second, okay? I am 100% not against doctors in any form or fashion. What I think is, is that there are times where supernatural healing needs to come just in a moment of supernatural, like we don't know what just happened kind of moments. I think that happens at times. There are other times when at the word of the Lord, you go to a doctor and all of a sudden, supernaturally, things get healed that couldn't have been healed any other way other than whatever God told you to do. Okay? Does that make sense? My mom, is a, my mom is a good testament of this. Some of you that have been around for a long time, you've heard my mom's story. 34 years ago, my mom, um, she, she didn't, I don't think she knew it at the time, but she was listening to the voice of God. And she, she heard somehow the voice of God, you need to go to the doctor and tell them to check you out for ovarian cancer. So that's exactly what she did. She went there and the doctor's like, you're crazy. How could you possibly know if you had ovarian cancer? She's like, I don't know. I just had a feeling. I came here and I told you I'm supposed to tell you that I'm, I need to be checked for ovarian cancer. Keep in mind, cancer research in the last like 10, 15 years has skyrocketed. Cure rates have gotten so much better. Back then, her survival rate for ovarian cancer, 3% survival rate. They checked her out. Sure enough, she had ovarian cancer. My mom is still alive, and I saw her yesterday. I just want to make clear, we do believe in doctors in here, but we 100% also believe that supernatural miracles happen as well. Sometimes, though, I think that that, that that supernatural, and I think it's a lot of times, I think it's way more times than what we understand. Supernatural healing happens after our commitment to do the things that God has told us to do. It happens afterwards. See, here's where Naaman went wrong. Naaman didn't understand something. See, Elisha was very specific from the word of the Lord. He said, go dip seven times. Everybody say seven times. He didn't say six, he didn't say five, four, three, two, one. He didn't say just go dip in the Jordan River. He said dip in it seven times. Why? Because sometimes, a lot of times, the miracle that you're looking for will happen on the backside of your commitment to do everything that the Lord has told you to do. If Naaman had walked down into that river, dipped once and stood up, he would have been like, I told you it's not gonna work. He dips six times, gets up out of the water. He's still a leper. Why? Because he was told by God, do it seven times. At six times, you're not going to see the healing. At five times, you won't see the healing. But you listen to me, and you're committed to what I tell you to do. You're going to see the healing, but you got to be committed all the way through to what I tell you to do. Then you're going to see the miracle happen. But what he didn't understand was It's not about the river that his healing came through. It wasn't. What he didn't understand was in the commitment to do what God said, a supernatural reaction happened in the level of commitment that he had to follow through on God's command. There's a supernatural reaction that happens when you say, God, I'm going to take what you do and I'm going to go do it. When you do that, supernatural stuff happens. And that's what makes it hard on us as American Christians. We've got too many options. 
Like, man, I got, I got the river of Abana and Farpar. I've got, the, I've got the river of another job. I've got the river of another relationship. I've got a river of another type of pill that I can take. I've got all these rivers. Why is this one special? Because the Lord said so. Doesn't matter if it's the Jordan. Doesn't matter if it's your bathtub. What matters is what did God tell you to do? That's what matters. And whenever you do whatever God tells you to do and you're committed to doing that, stuff happens. And you may not always see it right away. That's why people get discouraged whenever it comes to healing. Because sometimes healing happens over the course of a few days. See, we go in and we expect that, oh, somebody prayed for me. They prayed for me twice. I'm supposed to experience the healing right this minute. It's not there. I guess I, I, guess I need to go to the doctor. Well, maybe not. Maybe, but maybe not. Give it some time. Give it just a little bit of time sometimes, right? Now, if the Lord is telling you, once again, I, I, hate, I hate talking about healing sometimes because y'all want to take it to an extreme and y'all like, kill all the doctors. That's what he said. And it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Take it easy, all right? But look, sometimes healing happens over time. Give it a little bit. If you're obedient with God's word and what he commands you to do, expect that a supernatural chain reaction just happened. And we can't always see it, though. We can't always see it. And, and, and that's why it's like, okay, maybe you've been dealing with uh, depression and anxiety, okay? And you've been feeling the Lord say to you, you need to be committed to reading your Bible. I want you to commit to the next two weeks to read your Bible every single day, even if it's just a few verses, and, and, and you don't understand, okay, how does that have anything to do with depression and anxiety? Okay, well, maybe if I read, I'll find something on depression and anxiety. So you go in, and you start to read, and you read, and, and, and you're committed. I don't know, two weeks? Two, don't, don't, don't take what I'm saying as two weeks is this is going to deliver you from depression or anxiety unless the Lord speaks that to you, right? But, but maybe it's two weeks, two months, two years. I want you to be committed. Be committed to the word that I tell you. Go and start reading your Bible daily, which, by the way, all of you should do even if it's a few verses. But the Lord says, two weeks. Give me two weeks of, of, of absolute commitment out of you. And you commit to that two weeks, and you're reading and reading and reading. And you're like, all right, I'm at the end of the two weeks. I did it all, but I didn't read anything about depression or anxiety. He says, it doesn't matter. You were committed and you did it. Guess what just happened? Something happened in the supernatural world. Now, all of a sudden, where, where you had depression and anxiety over your life because the Lord spoke to you in a moment and you did it. You were committed to it. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. I don't know how to describe it except I feel different. And, and, and it's because it's not, about the, it's not about the Bible for two weeks that's important. It's about your commitment level to what God has told you to do. And when we react with dedication and commitment to what God tells us to do, supernatural stuff happens. It always happens. You know, my problem this morning wasn't, you know, Brantley, can you find any scripture to support what you're saying? The problem this morning is, is there's too much scripture that supports this. Look, you get into your word and you find it for yourself. Get into your word and find it for yourself. You want to know a good place to start? I'd start with reading my Bible daily. That's a really good place to start, even if it's just a few verses. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this. I've got a few, I've got a handful of disciples that um, I've recently taken on. 
And um, one of my first conversations with them is, is, number one, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to read your Bible every day, period. There is no exception. Like, it's okay if you don't want to read your Bible, that's totally fine, but don't call yourself a disciple of Jesus. That's totally fine if you don't want to read your Bible. Just stop calling yourself a disciple of Jesus, all right? Because disciples read their Bible, even if it's just a few verses a day, because we have that level of commitment. That's the level of commitment. And here's what happens whenever we, we go to that level of commitment, stuff starts happening. But everybody's going to deal with something different. Because for you, reading your Bible may be like, that, I'm just committed. I, you know, you've got it where you read so much every day, and, and it's not a problem for you. But maybe tithing is a problem for you. Tithing isn't a problem for me. Um, you know, everybody's got their own things that they deal with. It's not a tithing sermon. Chill out. Right? But tithing isn't a problem for me. But for you, you might think there's other options. There's better options to spend my money on things. Right? Can I tell you, as a tither, there's a lot I could do with several hundred dollars every month that I give to, the, that I give to God's house. There's a lot I could do. Vacations I could go on. Things I could buy. A better car I could have. But I'm committed. I'm committed. It's, for me, tithing, it's not, a, it's not a thing anymore. We're just committed. We're in it. We're going to do it. So every week, whenever I get paid, tithe immediately comes out. That's just, I, I don't even think about that. That's not a struggle for me anymore. But maybe it is for you. And maybe the Lord is calling you to be committed, right? I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a quick tip, okay? There is a difference between tipping and tithing, all right? Tipping is, what do I have left over at the end of the month? Good job, God, okay? That rarely works out. Tithing is a commitment. And I'm not even going to tell you you have to tithe 10%. That's, I'm not going to tell you that. What I'm going to tell you, if you're not tithing, you need it. And here's how you do it. You go, and you go home and pray and say, Lord, I get paid this amount every week or every month or whatever. How much do you want me to give? And you listen. And you pray and you listen. And if you have wise counsel around you, like other Christians that tithe, and you ask them, hey, look, I feel like the Lord's telling me this. You know, I, I, I've never done this before. Can, can I bounce this off of you? And so then once you have that number locked in, that's what you commit to every month or every week or whatever it is. You commit. And whenever you commit, weird stuff starts happening. And, and I, I get into financial stressful situations sometimes. I do. All right? But if I didn't tithe, what I wouldn't have is I wouldn't have the supernatural miracle of provision whenever I needed it. That's what, that's what I, I partner with God. And I'm like, God, all of this is your money. You've asked me to give some of it. So I'm going to give you what I've committed to give to you that we worked on together. And so I give every single month this amount. Now, whenever I hit those hard financial times and I need something, I say, God, I need it. Like, I, I know that I partnered with you. I know you're in this with me. I need some help. And you know what happens? God comes through. Maybe for you, you're struggling in your marriage and you're thinking, eh, there might be better options, right? And, and, and for divorced people in here, look, we got a lot of divorced people. I get it. Stuff happens. This is not against anybody in here, okay? But for those of you that are married or will be married soon or someday, I, I need you to hear this. There's something that happens when you are committed to no other options, 
right? Because that's biblical. That is God, t- that, that's, that's God doing or, or telling you what to do, and then you're actually doing it because you take an oath before God that I'm going to be committed to this person. And whenever you stay committed to that person, supernatural stuff happens. And you're like, well, look, it's not always easy. You know, it's, it's hard sometimes. It really is. Look, my wife and I, we didn't like each other our first two years of marriage. We didn't. <laughs> it was rough. But you know what? My dad had told me a long time ago, and you may like this phrase, you may hate it. It doesn't matter. It's worked for me and my wife. My dad used to always tell me, Brantley, your, your motto should be, say anything you want to say as long as you don't say, I quit. Say whatever you want to say as long as you don't say, I quit. Because if you quit, there's nothing we can do. But if you're talking with me, we can work something out. And here's what happens. Whenever you have that kind of level of commitment that, you know what? I know it's hard right now. We may not like each other right now. We may not want to be in the same room right now. But at the end of the day, there are no better options than my wife for me. There are no better options of men for my wife. I'm it. We're committed. And you know what happens whenever you have that level of commitment? You figure it out. Look, we're, we're going on 16 years of marriage in December. 16 years. And can I tell you that I love my wife way more now than I ever thought I could whenever we first got married. Like, whenever you get married, young people in here, whenever you get married, you can be like, oh, I love, I love them so much. I just want to spend the rest of my life with them. At least that, that might be the women, hopefully not the men acting like that. Right? I just, I love them so much. I just, it's so great. Look, you don't know what love is until you make it past the time when you hate each other. Then you start to know what love is. And I will tell you right now, I love my wife so much more. Why? Because we stayed committed to each other. I said, there are no better options for me, no matter what. There ain't no better options. And you gotta find what that is for you. Are you committed to doing what God has told you to do or are there better options? I'm gonna tell you a struggle of mine, okay? Here, here's, here's my struggle. This is, this is real life, okay? Look, for me, I, I wanna go to a whole different level in my prayer life, all right? I, I pray every day, several times a day, all throughout the day, whether it's like I'm sitting down intentionally taking time to pray, or if I'm just working, I'm praying, I'm talking to people and praying, I'm preaching and I'm praying. Like, it doesn't, I'm, I'm praying a lot. But here's the thing, there is a, there's a whole different level of prayer and, and, and interacting with the presence of God that I wanna be able to get to. I, my goal, and I'm being so dead serious right now, my goal for my spiritual life with Jesus is that I could get to a point where the presence of God is on me so much that with, without you seeing me walk into the room, you know that I just affected the spiritual atmosphere because the presence of God is on me whenever I step into a room. That's what I want. But can I be honest with you? I got fewer better options. Because it's gonna take it's gonna take some sort of level of dedication that I haven't exhibited yet. I'm going to get there. I will, in Jesus' name. I'm either going to get there or he's going to take me home and then I'll really be in presence with God. But here's what happens, okay? This is, this is real life, what happens. 
I'll sit down, I'll, I'll, I'll set aside an hour or something. Um, because I don't, I, right now, I don't feel like I could pray for an hour nonstop. I just don't. I'm, I'm too short-winded. I need to learn how to talk more or something. Really, that's not the answer. I need to learn how to listen better, right? But so I'll sit down and I'll, I'll start out um, maybe thanking God for stuff in my life. And maybe I'll, I'll be um, praying over a, a verse that I found in Scripture that's, that's really pertinent right now that I feel like the Lord is speaking to me. I may have a great time of prayer in that short time. I may feel like the manifest presence of God is on me in that time. But I'm praying, and, I, and, and at some point, I'm like, all right, Lord, you know, you speak to me and whatever. Maybe I hit that 30-minute mark, and, and, and I'm going, and, and everything's going great. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is a great time of prayer, and everything seems to be going well. And then it never fails. I always seem to get to this one point whenever everything just sort of is like, that's all I have to say about that. I don't know what else to pray. And God, I've been sitting here for a little bit and I don't hear nothing. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I just need a, a quick break. That's what I probably need. I need a quick break from prayer and then I'll come back to praying. I still got 30 minutes left. Here, here's what I'll do. I'll just look up a quick YouTube video. That'll give me a good break, right? So I, I you know, I pull out my phone I, and I got to find the right video to watch, right? So I pull out my phone, I scroll on YouTube for a minute, find the right video. Ah, oh, this is perfect. You know, so I watch it and then it's over and then I find out, oh, there's aliens in Washington. I should definitely be in the know about this. Like the Lord would want me to understand extraterrestrials. And so then I watch that one and then I watch another one and I'm like, ah, dang it, now I'm out of time. Right? I... Look, if I want to go to a whole different level in my prayer life, I have to be committed to pushing through the uncomfortable option of waiting on God. I, I have to be committed. I, I haven't been committed yet. And there, will, there comes a point every single time whenever I, I want to sit down and do this, there always comes this point when, I, when I've run out and I feel like maybe the manifest presence of God is kind of done and, and I'm not necessarily hearing as much and, and now I have to sit there and just wait. And I'm not very good at waiting. I am a very impatient person at times and, and I just want the Lord to do something. Hurry up and speak, God. Nothing else is happening and you know that my attention span is running out. But I think that if I just could, could figure out the discipline, the dedication to say, you know what, I've given the Lord an hour. I'm going to sit here as uncomfortable as it is, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say, and I'm going to wait on the Lord. And he may not come this time or the next time or the next time or next month or next year, but I know Based on scripture, if I stay committed, if I continue to wait on the Lord, he is going to show up. But I've got to develop that level of commitment. And that's what I want for you guys, is to be able to be committed. But as you look at all of the different possibilities of areas where you feel like maybe you're not committed, it can be overwhelming. So, practical life change. Practical life change. Can we put the, uh, the, the final slide up there for me? Here's how you do this. Pick one thing. Pick one thing. 
you probably already know of a handful of things that you're like, yeah, I need to be more committed to God in these areas. It's going to be pretty overwhelming if you say, I'm going to fix everything in my life right now. Okay? But here's what you can do. You can do one thing. Find one thing. And you just say, look, there are no better options. I'm committed to this. For you, might be your mouth. You got such a potty mouth, you lick toilets. That's terrible. That was the worst. I'll never say that again. We'll edit that out later. Look, you cuss like a sailor, right? And you know that the Lord has called you to clean your mouth. Do you not know that it's what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the body? That's scripture. Right? You produce both blessings and curses. And you know the Lord's calling you out on it. You know it. Because they're not just words. Because guess what? God spoke just words and created life. Scripture tells us that from the, mo- from the mouth, life and death both proceed. Maybe the Lord is calling you out on that. And you're like, yeah, but might be other options, you know? No. Be committed. Figure it out. Be committed. At some point, it's not going to be a problem for you anymore. It just won't. Maybe it's what you're watching. And I know Pastor Braley talks about what we watch a lot. Okay, so there's reason for that. There's reason for that. And, and all throughout Scripture, you see this, this idea of gates around a city. You are a city on a hill. All throughout, it's what are you letting in and out of the gates? What are you letting in and out of the gates? I'm going to be honest. One of the biggest gates we have is our eye gate. Here's, here's the test for you. If you feel like the Lord is convicting you at all in that area, here's how you figure out what to watch or to stop watching. Think about this for half a second. If Jesus were sitting next to me right now, how uncomfortable would I be watching what I'm watching? This episode or this movie, whatever it is, how uncomfortable would I be with Jesus sitting next to me right now? There are small ears in the room but if you're watching stuff with scenes that are not appropriate for children, it's not normal. Stop normalizing it. It's not. Jesus would be terribly uncomfortable sitting next to you while you watch that mess. You want to get rid of some stuff? Take care of that eye gate. Be committed to it. Pick something. I told you that tithing isn't really a thing for me anymore. Well, that's because we developed a commitment to it. And then you're going to be able to be committed to something. You are. And so whenever you, whenever you finally hit that point, whenever you say, all right, we're going to be committed. I'm going to be committed to this area of doing what God told me to do. You commit over time. It'll become a thing where it's like, oh, this is just what I do now. Like I just follow God in this area. That's just what we do. And whenever you get to that point, because you've been committed long enough, then you pick the next thing. I, I promise you, if you pick one thing at a time, your life will change. And by the way, it, it, that's, how, that's how you develop as a disciple of Jesus. As you say, look, I'm going to just pick one thing. I'm a little bit more today than I, than I did yesterday. A little bit closer to Jesus tomorrow than today. Whenever you do that, you're following Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this time.
God, I thank you for your level of patience with us, God, as we work on our commitment to do the things that you've asked us to do. All of you in here right now, I want you to think about one area that you're going to be committed this week, today, not even this week. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next year to create a New Year's resolution. Look, be committed today. And then there are no better options. There are no better options. I'm committed. If you're thinking about it right now and you know what that thing is, I want you to raise your hand. If you know what it is right now, go ahead, raise your hand. Yep. All right, I'm gonna pray for you right now. God, thank you, Lord, for all these people that know the thing, the one thing. God, don't let them get overwhelmed. Lord, I I pray against comparison right now in Jesus' name. They aren't comparing themselves to other people, God. They're comparing themselves strictly to your word, God. And I pray for deliverance for the people that are, that are uh, walking into commitment right now, Lord, that need deliverance. God, that you would meet them supernaturally in a moment. God, and at, at your word, God, as they execute your word specifically, that you would do something supernatural in their lives, God. And they'd be able to point back to the moment they decided they were all in. They were committed. God, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.